0: chapter 1 second Peter chapter 1 I want to add my voice to the voice of others who have welcomed all of you who are worshiping with us this morning and especially those of you who are visitor, visitors let's pray for our nation let's pray for the word of God in 2024 I'm going to talk to you today about a new year promise, a new year promise, 2 Peter, chapter 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. And I am reading in the wrong epistle, am I not? Amen. Second Peter. Let's see, is that in the New Testament? <laughs> Second Peter chapter one. I knew something was wrong there. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them who have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these, You might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word. Let God's people say, praise the Lord. And we will sing and ask the Lord to help us this morning. Father, I stretch my hand to Thee, no other help I know, if I withdraw Thyself from Thee, or whither shall I go? Ah, whither shall I go? Thank you. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, we're in a brand new year, and you can spend this new year in one of two ways. You can spend the year trusting the Lord or you can spend the year trusting yourself. How did you spend last year? Did you spend the last year complaining and murmuring? I'm reminded of the man who wanted to be a priest. And uh, they had a grueling three-year program for him. And for three years, he was... Not allowed to say anything. So after the first year, they brought him in and they said, before you enter your second year, we're going to allow you to say something. But just one sentence, what would you like to say? And he said, food bad. They said, okay, we got that. Bad. Now we'll begin the second year, and we'll see you at the same time next year. They so went through a second year, and then he was brought in and uh, asked what he would like to say. He said, "Bed hard." They said, "All right, we've got that." So the third year, he had done pretty well, and they brought him in, and uh, they said, "What do you have to say on this third year?" He said, I quit. And the guy said, well, you might as well. You've done nothing but complain now for three years. I kind of feel that way about myself many times, about complaining and murmuring against the hand of the Lord and the events that have transpired in my life. Or we could spend our our next year, this year, this new year, like the old man whom I knew and I did not know him, but I knew the man who knew him. And he was an old fellow, and he had a car wreck. And he was trapped under the car. The police were there. The ambulance was there. And they called under there. His name was Johnson. And they said, Brother Johnson, are you okay? And this is what he said. He said, God is sovereign, and we will be thankful That's what he said. God is sovereign and we will be thankful. Will we spend this year like the priest (laughs) or like the old man who said God is sovereign and we'll be thankful? Now here's the first thing that I want to note today and I've asked him to put some of these points up on the board. Number one, all of us were plagued by failures In 2023, how many of you failed in many things in 2023? I don't usually ask for raising your hands, but let's raise your hands. If you failed in some things in 2023, okay, if you didn't raise your hand, you're either lying or you're deaf. We can't change the past. Listen now. We can't change the past. But we can change the future by changing the present. Somewhere, I read something like this by C.S. Lewis. Although I cannot go back and change the beginning, I can change how it would have ended by changing the present. If I begin where I am and effect change and cause change, change, in other words, then quite necessarily the way my life would have ended will be different. And we all know it is the height of foolishness to keep on doing the same things and hope for a different outcome. So unless there's a present change, the future will look like the past. Here's the second thing. The means of causing change is faith. Not faith in yourself, not faith in your talents, not faith in your money, not faith in the nation, faith in our military, but faith in the Lord. And not just any Lord, but the Lord God of Scripture, the Lord God of Abraham, who is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. To look to, to believe on, and to trust in. Our Lord Jesus is to look to, to believe on, and trust in the God of Abraham. It is he who can change us and the things around us. And in 12 months, we'll be looking back on 2024 as we're now looking back on 2023. So let's trust the Lord in 2024. To be what we might have been in 2023. And here's the third thing the God of Scripture promises certain wonderful things to those who trust Him. Now, I want to ask you in your Bible, we're going to turn to a few passages of Scripture, but I want you to see if you can find the little book of Joel, Joel. It's 50 something pages from the beginning of Matthew from the beginning of the New Testament you should find in front of you or somewhere near you a pew Bible if you can find a Bible you could just uh, look in the table of contents and Joel is as I say about 53 54 depending on your your uh, version of Scripture from the Gospel of Matthew the Gospel of Matthew It's a very short book Joel It's only uh, three chapters, and I'd like for you to find Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. Probably most of you, and I never take for granted that everybody knows, but probably most of you are familiar with what's called the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit promised by the Lord Jesus Christ was given, and that's recorded in Acts chapter 2. And in that chapter, Peter and the other apostles, when they asked what was going on, they said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. I apologize for the, the sun. It'll pass in just a minute. It's in the, some of your faces. Joel chapter 2 You have almost word for word what Peter says in the book of Acts chapter 2. Joel chapter 2 beginning in verse 28. Joel chapter 2 verse 28. It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days I will pour out my spirit. I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. You see, those are almost exactly the words quoted by Peter in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 16, going through verse, verse 21. Now, in this same chapter, so I want you to understand now, because I don't want to confuse you, that the, the apostles took Joel 2, verse 25 and following, and they said, This is that which was spoken by Joel. What's happening? Now look at verse 25 of Joel chapter 2. Verse 25, in this same chapter we find a promise which may be applied not only to a future Israel, a repenting Israel, but to all believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll explain that statement in just a moment. One that I think is particularly applicable to our lesson today. It's a promise of restoration conditioned upon repentance and faith. Verse 25, I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army, which I sent among you. Number one, notice who will affect this restoration. God says, I will. Nothing here about being lucky, being fortunate, working hard. This is something that God himself will be directly involved in. And here's an unalterable rule for all the children of God. Listen to me now. I know God is sovereign. I believe in the sovereignty of God. Do all you can do in 2024. Do all you should do. Do the best you can do for as long as you can, by every means you can, and then, however it comes out, submit to the Lord's will. If the Lord is not involved in something, it won't work out. If the Lord is in something, all hell cannot overthrow it. When the Almighty says, I will restore, who can say, you will not? (laughs) That sounds a lot to me like what the Apostle Paul said to encourage the Romans church in Romans chapter 8. He said, if God is for us, who can be against us? He did spare not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifies. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died. who is risen again. Who's at the right hand of God? Who is making, presently making intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of God, and this emphasis here is not on me letting things separate me from God. It is upon God not allowing anything to separate me from Him. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril, that's danger, peril or sword? No, in all these things we're more than conquerors through Him that loved us. I am persuaded. That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come in the new year, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature in this world shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So no matter what happens to you, no matter what happens to your decisions, You're not separated from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus the Lord, if you're walking in faith in him. Here's another observation. He said, I will restore, not ifs and buts. You can't do it. I can't do it, but God can do it. Our Lord said to his disciples, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, it says, and they said, who then can be saved? Because every man in a certain respect is rich. If You got $100, you're rich to the guy that has nothing. If you have $1,000, you're richer than the guy that has 100 If you have $10,000, you are richer than the man that has 1000 Who then can be saved? The Gospel of Mark says they were astonished out of measure. <laughs> but this is what Jesus answered. He said, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Luke says it this way the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. There's not one word here in Joel regarding the will of man. It is not if you will let me or if you will do this or that, I will do this and that. It is not I can't do anything until you do something. It is I will. I will. We trust too much in our I wills rather than in the Lord's I will. The third thing I want you to observe is, he said, I will restore. I will restore. Something has been lost. Something has been changed. Something has been altered. But it will be restored. Now, we can't restore anything that has been eaten up by the locust in our lives but the Lord can does he not promise to restore our bodies in the resurrection not only to restore them but to perfect them This mortal shall put on immortality. This corruption shall become incorruptible. This body of death shall no longer be subject to death. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? All things lost in Adam are restored in Christ. Not only restored, but vastly improved. Adam might have been in paradise, but the paradise was not secure because everything was conditional in Eden. That is, there were certain conditions Adam had to meet to continue to live there. But our homes in heaven are absolutely secured. How so? Well, we perfectly met and fulfilled all of the required conditions in the law through our substitute, our Savior, Jesus Christ. This is what the great poet John Milton had in mind when he wrote about Paradise Lost. Paradise Lost, his epic poem, way back in 1667. John Milton had gone blind, he was ill. He had lost his wife and his infant daughter. But he knew that the God of the Bible had promised to restore in Christ all that was lost in Adam. Paradise was lost in Adam, but it is restored in the second Adam, in the last Adam, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 45. Let me read just a verse or two here from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The first man, verse 47, 1 Corinthians fifteen forty-seven. the first man is of the earth, earthy. That is, he was made from the dust of the earth. The second man is the Lord from heaven. That is, he came down from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. In other words, in our present state, we are like the man who is made from the dust, the first Adam. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. We shall be made like the man who came from heaven. And as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Behold, he says, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Now I pointed out many times, believers don't die. They fall asleep. Never Is it said that a believer dies. A believer falls asleep. But we shall all be changed. And that word changed is the word. The Greek term alasso. It means to exchange one thing for another. It means to be transformed. We will be restored. In a moment in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump for the trumpet will sound. And the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. The Lord promises I will restore. Here's the fourth thing I noticed about this 21st verse. I will restore to you. Now I want you to think with me a little bit here. When this promise was made by the Lord in Joel, it was addressed to the nation of Israel. But we must keep three things in mind if we are to claim it for ourselves. First, as we have learned in recent studies from Matthew, Mark, Luke, the Messiah was rejected by Israel, and he told them that their rejection would result in the desolation of their house, the desolation of their nation. Israel after the flesh, that is, the nation of Israel as they are today, is spiritually bankrupt. And they will remain spiritually bankrupt unless and until they turn to Jesus as their Messiah. You remember what Jesus said upon leaving the temple the last time? Matthew chapter 23, verse 38 and 39. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, you shall not see me again until you say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. That term translated blessed is the term eulogio, which means to eulogize. So Jesus says, you will not see me again until you say, let the one who comes in the name of the Lord be eulogized. Well, this is 2024. And Israel has not yet blessed the name or the person of Jesus. Thus, the nation of Israel is dead in trespasses and sins, having no savior, no representative, no substitute, no Messiah. The promise through Joel cannot apply to the nation of Israel until and unless that nation turns to their Messiah. Here's the second thing you need to remember about claiming this promise. Peter in Acts chapter 2, as I've already pointed out to you, applied all the predictions and all the prophecies and all the promises in Joel chapter 2 to believers, whether Jews or Gentiles. So if you look at verse 27, look at verse 27, Joel chapter 2, verse 27. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else and my people shall never be ashamed. Now you can only apply that verse in two ways. Number one, you could apply it to a believing, repenting Israel, not to a Christ-rejecting Israel. Or, number two, you could apply it to a spiritual Israel, an Israel which receives Jesus as Lord and Savior, as King and Messiah. In other words, it can apply to believers, whether Jew or Gentile. And listen to me now. Now, I think you know this, but it bears repeating. He who has God's Son has the Son's Father. He who rejects the Son rejects the Father. The Father will not be in the midst of an Israel which rejects his Son. Now listen to this from the Bible. 1 John chapter 2, verse 23. No one who denies the Son has the Father. The person who acknowledges the Son also has the Father. Now so who are these people? That this applies to listen to me only those who glory in the cross of Christ those who are crucified into this world and the world unto them those to whom circumcision or uncircumcision nationality or culture mean nothing these are citizens of the Israel of God to whom such promises are made now is this biblical All right, listen to these words. Let's ask Paul, the apostle. Paul, what do you think? Here are his words in Galatians chapter 4, Galatians chapter 6, rather, verses 14 through 16. It's all right to put that on the board if you're able to do that. If you're not, I'm going to read it to everybody. Galatians chapter 6, verses 14 through 16. Here's what it says. Paul says, God forbid that I should glory, that I should boast, Save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision avails anything or uncircumcision. The uncircumcision, that's the Gentile. The circumcision, that's the Jew. He said none of those things matter, but only a new creature. Listen to this now. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. Upon the Israel of God. The Israel of God are those who have Christ as their Messiah. The Israel of God are those who trust in Christ, whether they're Jew or Gentile. This is, in fact, how Peter applies it in Acts chapter 2. He says, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. So this promise cannot apply to an unbelieving Israel. Peter applies this promise to those who believe in Jesus' as promised Messiah. And in the third and last place, I hope you still have your Bible open, Joel chapter 2. The reason we know these promises are for us, this is the third reason I'm giving you, is that the salvation of the God of the Bible is personal and individual. We used to hear people say, America is a Christian nation. You know which president said America is no longer a Christian nation? Barack Obama said that. We used to hear people say that, America is a Christian nation. Does that statement mean that there has ever been a time when everyone in America was a Christian? In like manner, we often hear people say Israel is a chosen nation. Does that mean that there's ever been a time in the history of Israel when everyone in Israel knew the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Yes, the nation of Israel was chosen, but not everyone in the nation knew the Lord. If knowing the Lord means trusting him and having a heart to obey him, very few in Israel have ever known the Lord. Moses no longer got them out of Egypt and started rebelling against God. I ask you, isn't this a stumbling block for the Jew today? I have had many Jewish friends. And all of them, so far as I know, felt that they were children of God. Simply because they were linked by birth to Israel. But none of them, so far as I know, had a personal trust in the God of Israel. If you're born into a family whose mom and dad are Christians, does that make you a Christian? If you're born into a Jewish family, does that mean that you know the God of Israel? Of course not. All I'm saying is that promises regarding salvation and blessings from that salvation can only be applied and appropriated by individual believers because salvation is and always has been a personal matter I can't save you and you can't save me but the Lord can save us both America cannot save Americans you can be a good upstanding Patriot American Patriot American split hell wide open Israel can't save Jews but the Lord can save both Gentiles and Jews David said it this way, Psalm 49 verses 7 and 8, truly no man can rans- ransom another or give to God the price of his life, for the redemption of the soul is costly. What's more, the Lord does not save by families. He doesn't save by nationalities. He doesn't save by cultures. He doesn't save by race. He saves individuals. America is not saved, but there are individuals in America who are. Israel is not saved, but there are individuals in Israel who are. And if you are a believer, whether you were born a Jew or a Gentile, this promise is for you. All right, once more, look at that 25th verse now. Notice who sent those locusts. He said, my great army, which I sent. My friends, the Lord loves us too much to leave us to ourselves that we might destroy ourselves. He did not send Israel into the wilderness to destroy them, but to correct them, to rebuke them, to bring them to repentance that he might restore them. Let me read this to you. Just stay where you are. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Verses 2 through 5, these are the words of God through Moses to Israel. Thou shalt remember all the way that the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years. They wandered in the wilderness 40 years because of disobedience. Thou shalt remember that the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee, to prove thee, and to know what was in thine heart, whether you would keep his commandments or no. Of course God knew what was in their hearts, but they didn't know what was in their hearts. When he said, Adam, where are you? You think God knew where Adam was? Of course he did. But Adam did not know where he was. And so he says, I did all of this, that you might know who you are and what you are. And he humbled thee, and he suffered thee to hunger, and he led, fed thee with manna. which you did not know, neither did your fathers, that he might make you know, He gave you these trials and troubles for 40 years that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone. Life is not about making money and being a success, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord, does man live. Your clothes did not wax old upon you, neither did your foot swell for these 40 years. Listen now, you you shall consider in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord thy God chastened you. But they would not repent. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 23? Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stone those who have said unto you, how often I would have gathered you together as a hen gathers her chicks, and you would not. They would not repent, so he allowed them to destroy themselves, wandering about in the wilderness until all the generation that came out of Egypt died. And by that time, their children were grown, and he blessed their children and let them enter into the promised land. But here's an amazing fact. Even when they were in the wilderness for 40 years, because of their disobedience, he was leading them. (laughs) He was plotting their course We just read that his chastening hand was upon them to cause them to see the error of their ways, to repent of the error of their ways, to believe him, and to rebound. Some of you play basketball. You shoot a shot, you miss. What do you do? You run up there and rebound. That's what you do in life. You 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 mess up. You messed up in 2023 will rebound in 2024. Don't go through the same way like you did last year. Let's look at Joel 2.25 again. And let me read it to you so you can see the progression of it. And then we'll be through this morning. The first thing I want to say to you as we look at this verse once more, verse 25, is this, this verse has to be spiritual. You know how I know that? Here's what it says. Verse 25, Joel chapter 2. I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. There it is on the board. Now you tell me what kind of locust can eat up years. Locusts don't eat years. They'll eat your clothes up. They'll eat your fields up. They'll eat your food up. This locust that eats up years... These are various and sundry things that the Lord has sent in our lives to cause us to do what he did with Israel, to look up. To look to him, to trust in him, to learn that you can't do life on your own. (laughs) I still say to the Lord, I'm just a child. I don't know how to go in or how to go out. Jesus said, except you become converted and become as little children, you shall in no wise enter the kingdom. Now here's what this verse really says. I will restore unto you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten, the crawling locust that's the canker worm, the consuming locust that's the caterpillar, And the chewing locust that's the Palmer worm. My great army, which I sent unto you. Do you feel that 2023 you had a swarm of locusts? If they weren't swarming, they were crawling. If they weren't crawling, they were consuming. If they weren't consuming, they were chewing up. There were swarms of locusts, crawling locusts, consuming locusts, and chewing locusts, one thing after another. But then the Lord says, I'll restore to you all that the locusts have eaten. And he said, I sent these locusts. They're called my great army. (laughs) My great army. I can make the locusts leave. And I can restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. Let me make two applications in closing. Number one, no matter what plagued you, what plagued me, what plagued us in 2023, the Lord is able to restore all that 2023 has taken from us. And I can say that if you, if you belong to Christ, whatever has befallen you has been sent in love, perhaps by a chastening hand, but in love, how difficult would it be for the Lord to have destroyed Israel in an instant? At one point, he said to Moses, when Moses came down off the mountain and all those people were partying and they'd made a god of gold, Moses, 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 get out of the way! I'm going to destroy them and I'll start over with you. And the Scripture says Moses intervened and interceded for the Lord, and you know what happened as a result of that. It wouldn't have been very difficult for for the Lord to have destroyed Israel. How? Much less difficult would it be for the Lord to have destroyed you and me in an instant. But he has spared us. And here we are in 2024. Listen to what he said to the church of Laodicea. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Revelation 3.19. So no matter what has befallen us, nothing is beyond the power of God and the love of God to forgive us, to heal us, and to restore us. And the last thing I say is this. What is not fulfilled in time regarding this promise will be fulfilled in eternity. Who can possibly doubt that any and all things experienced in this world Whether they are good or bad could be compared to spending eternity with our Savior. Dare we compare anything in this world? It was the Apostle Paul who said the things I've suffered are not to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Did the Lord promise Abraham a land? He did, didn't he? I'm showing you this for a purpose, and then we're going to close. The Lord promised Abraham, I'm going to give you a land and a land to your descendants. Did Abraham see the fulfillment of that promise? No, he did not. And here it is for you on the board. Acts chapter 7, verse 5. It says he gave him none inheritance in it, no matter, not so much as a foot. Abraham died, and that promise was not fulfilled in his lifetime. Not so much as a foot, yet he promised that he would give it to him for his possession and to his seed after him, and he promised him when as yet he had no children. Abraham was basically 100 years old when Isaac was born. He was 87 years old when Ishmael was born. You see, what I'm telling you, my friends, is this. We can't play Russian roulette roulette with God. We can't bargain with God. Lord, you do this and I'll do that. No, what we do is this. This is the bottom line. This is as simple as I can make it. Just trust him. Just trust him. Trust the Lord regardless. He's wiser than we are. We have promise. He, we have promises from the Lord that all things will work together for our good to those who love the Lord, to those who are the called according to His purpose. Romans eight twenty eight and twenty nine. He's able to restore what the locusts have eaten, and He will restore what the locusts have eaten, one way or the other. Can you trust him? Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things which cannot be seen. Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Through faith, as it says in Hebrews 11, we can obtain a good report card from the Lord. Spend this year learning to trust him in and through All things. May the Lord add his blessings on the teaching of his word.